Hi listeners, welcome back to what we've been watching after the winter break. Hope you had a lovely Christmas holiday and had a good new year. I'm Phil. I'm Laurie. We've got four more movie reviews coming up for you. What are we doing this week, Phil? This week I'm going to do some musicals, in fact. I'm going to do Chicago, that 2002 film from Rob Marshall with mm. uh, a boatload of stars in it and uh, Oscar winning film as well. And then also I'm going to look at the more recent Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Very good film. Well done. The one from a couple of years ago. Yep. I'm going to do John Wick starring Keanu Reeves, a gun-heavy action thriller, and Jackie Brown starring Pam Greer and Sam Jackson, Quentin Tarantino, one of his earlier movies. Oh, you call him Sam? Yeah, you can, you know, we're good mates. friends of Sam. Yeah, we're yeah, pals. Yeah, come on. You know, I don't like to talk about it, but yeah. Listeners, remember, you can get in touch with your thoughts on our four movies and superbellybros at gmail.com is the email. At superbellybros is our Twitter address. Other than that, should we get cracking? Yeah, and just to say, if you agree with our review, you can give us a plus one. If you don't agree, give us a minus one. Laurie Always. and I have got this little battle going on to see who knows the most in terms of the popular people. Mm. So this is a, almost like a referendum that's going on between us it's a very very bitter fight yes phil do you want to kick us off with chicago chicago a flash of leg the taste of temptation the smell of corruption and things that go bump in the night Velma has it. On a brand new start to do that. Yeah! Roxy wants it. All my life I wanted to have my own act. That's great. I'll be in touch. You know, I'm not quite finished yet. Face it, Roxy. You ain't never gonna have an act. You got connections. I would have said anything to get a piece of that. Okay. Oh! What you need is Billy Flynn. He's never lost a case. Billy can fix it. My client feels that it was the combination of liquor and jazz which led to her downfall. Hey, Mama, you're the Velma Kelly. I was there the night that you got arrested. Yeah, you and half of Chicago. You couldn't buy that kind of publicity. But in a city where everyone loves a legend, there's only room for one. You want some advice? Keep your paws off my lawyer. Sweetest little jazz killer ever to hit Chicago. That's the angle I'm after. You were in the paper today, too. In the back with the obituaries. They love me. They love you a lot more if you're a hang. You know why? Because there's so more papers. That's Chicago. There you go. That's a slightly strange trailer, actually, listening think? back to it, because I don't think it's necessarily that good of a trailer for the film, because the film is uh, 100% down the line musical. It's a musical film. and It does uh, sound like a sort of gritty drama. Yeah, exactly. They seem to have highlighted the bits which are much more realistic and uh, the real world elements. So this film is set in the 1920s-esque, 1930s. It's the, the time of vaudeville. In Chicago, you know, the, the variety act, the dancing, they're all singing jazz hands, everything like that. And Chicago obviously has got its history now and has always had a bit of a history with crime and gangsters and, and, uh, and murder. It seems to be something, uh, just a bustling city which has all that going on. And this film is about uh, a, a young girl called Roxy who has dreams of becoming a big star. Renee Zellweger. Big. Renee Zellweger. And uh, she believes that she's going to, this guy she's having an affair with will get her there. And then he finds out 
and then she finds out of course that he's not interested at all it's all just empty promises and in a in a crime of passion and anger she kills him and this leads her into the world of the young female killer being a sensation for newspapers and it drawing a lot of media attention all this sort of things and while she's in prison she meets uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones character Velma who is another one of these sort of young starlets who sort of gets embroiled in Femme murder mm, exactly and the newspapers cannot get enough. And it's all about Roxy Hart trying to spin this into a bit of a media sensation and also just get off the charges. The film is directed by Rob Marshall, good director. He does a really good job in this film, I think. It's got a lot of energy, a lot of style. The The set pieces for the musical numbers are fantastic. And uh, it's really well choreographed well-chosen shots so that you always feel like there's momentum to the songs you never feel like it's dragging they're they're very creatively staged there's a device which is used within the within the story and within the film which is that the musical numbers are part of a vaudeville act part of a different part of a show in on the night and each character when they're doing a song is performing a song for a a theater but it's in, it's intertwined with um, real world elements to it. So you have a song which is some prisoners singing about what they did to their husbands yeah, and yeah, their yeah. partners. I remember that. The, he had it so, coming. Yeah, he had it coming. He coming and coming. So you have them doing this very intense performance with lots of dancing and cool lighting and things like that, and very much a theatrical performance. And then interspersed in that is them, the actual prisoners, just walking through the prison, sort of talking about what they did to their husbands, and in a very plain way. So it constantly is playing with this idea of a performance and reality and that ties in brilliantly with the themes of the film because the other element of it is the idea that justice in this town is all a bit of a circus they just want a show people don't care about whether or not you've done it whether or not you any sort of justice they just want the scandal papers they want something it, which is going to sell it. sell papers and which people want to read they yeah. want a story it's kind of show business before cinema and uh, it is sort of steamy and sordid and a little bit nasty and yet the performances from the big three, I think, are really strong. I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is an absolute powerhouse. She really nails her role and she sings and dances and she feels like her, her performance is pushing the movie towards its uh, towards its end. Well, man, you know what a big fan I am of Catherine Zeta-Jones in her heyday. She's just sort of vanished from cinema. Otherwise, I think we'd still be talking about her. She is really good and it's a completely different sort of side to her than she's she shows in other films. So it's worth checking out, I think possibly just for her alone. I think it's a really good performance. Much better than Renée Zellweger. Renée Zellweger, I think, has a different role, but equally is just as talented. You wouldn't think this girl is the same girl as the Bridget Jones Diary sort of girl. They're the world's apart and yet she is convincingly vulnerable, uh, conniving and talented she sings brilliantly i think all of the all of the cast do their own singing richard gear he's great as billy flynn the lawyer like hired to get them off but he cannot sing or well, dance. That's what I was going to ask. Like I, I can't remember this film very well at all i have to admit and i i don't recall hearing richard gear sing he does sing but it's terrible he can't <laughs> really? really sing and he can't dance oh, and yet in the film guy. he has to do a tap dance he was like, in one of the... dance Phil come on yeah I mean he's, he's alright there but he can't tap dance that's for certain and yet he still has to do a tap dance so they have an awkward kind of thing where they have to show somebody's feet moving tapping away and clearly Richard Gere is not doing those moves <laughs> but they managed to make it work and well I was just going to say like surely that would bring the quality of the film right down but it doesn't sound like it did no because it's got a real sense of joy to it and I think it's really interesting that we haven't got more musicals in in cinemas these days it used to be a kind of absolute staple back in the day and it seems to have just sort of fallen off 
Yeah. And it's so kind of surprising because musicals, by nature, they're rich stories. They have lots of elements to them. They have lots of big, kind of well-paced elements to them. You can't get a successful musical without having a really refined product. That I think that's that's fair to say. I think what's funny about it is actually this came at a time when there was a tiny, tiny mini revival going on. Think about Moulin Rouge, for example. It, it may just be reflecting audiences' tastes, Phil. I, th- I think it's not necessarily a studio thing or a Hollywood thing. People just lose their patience for it, I think. But it's a shame because... I think this is a really good musical. I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but I think this is a good one. And the songs, I think pretty much all of them are good. I like them. I enjoyed them. I, they stay in your head. They're good little tappy numbers, if <laughs> whatever that means. And you even got a, a really good performance from John C. Riley doing oh, yeah. a dramatic performance as He's great, uh, though, Roxy's husband, the much maligned husband. Well, it sounds like you loved it, Phil. I mean, is this one to recommend for everybody? Or, as we've been saying, are people who are not naturally fans of musicals going to hate it? I mean, it's impossible to say. I think it's it's one of the better musicals out there. It's got a real sense of energy and pace, which is what you need in um, in a musical, I think. Often it feels a bit just sort of twee, but they somehow manage to balance all the elements. So you've got a kind of dramatic side of the story, which that trailer certainly seems to pick up on. And then you've got the more musical show, show numbers. And it kind of it has a weird sort of balance to it yeah. all. And I really enjoyed it. I think I'd give it an A-. minus. I really wow, enjoyed it. Wow, great. I mean, I'm glad you said twee, because for my money... Glee, do you remember Glee when that came out on TV? That slowly started killing the musical because everyone associated it with this weird sort of tweeness. I don't know, that became massively popular, didn't it? Yeah, but only with a very certain specific demographic. There are some people who wouldn't go near Glee. I think you know that already. Yeah, that's true. Interestingly, this is, I know it's not TV land, but Glee, part of the reason it was so successful initially was because it was lampooning that sort of high school musical element. It was yeah, sort but of then it became... Doing, yeah, it became <laughs> yeah. its own monster. That's and, what I mean. And, yeah. and so I wonder whether that slightly killed the appetite for it beyond a certain sort of section who, who liked Glee. And well, now we've got La La Land coming out. Who knows? Could be another revival, Phil. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Let's see. Thanks. That's great. Cheers. Right. Shall I move on? Yes, do, please. So let's start with John Wick. Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me? How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have good day, sir. Daisy. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan, you got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. Where'd you get that car? What does it matter? It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Nobody? That nobody is John Wick. Again? No, just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. Hey, John. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I'm not afraid of John Wick. Uh Uh-huh. How good's your laundry? No one's that good. I thought not. 
Man, there's a lot of gunshots in that trailer, Phil. I had to edit some of them out. It'd get a bit boring for the listeners. Or they People might be, you know, on. moving left and right, thinking they're in the middle of a gunfight. Oh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> bang, bang. Uh, listeners, this is John Wick starring Keanu Reeves, a ludicrous action film about a man who is deeply upset about the theft of his car and the killing of his pet dog that he has recently received from his deceased wife. I think you put those things in the wrong order. Like, Did I? I don't think he's that fussed about the car. I think he's more upset about the dead dog. Well, they're kind of, the, you know, I mean, that, that, that but that's the plot, <laughs> Reel isn't that it? one back in, Laurie. That <laughs> is not the same thing. You're, just because you're not a dog fan does not mean you can say no, they're no, the same thing. Hey, 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 heel. <laughs> um, <laughs> The trailer made it clear. Those those are two things that happen to John Wick. And suddenly we discover, you know, it's Alfie Allen who does it, who takes the car away from him, kills his dog. Alfie Allen's the son of this Russian crime lord. And everyone is like, Alfie Allen, what have you done? He's mystified. John Leguizamo is telling him, what did you do? Whose car is this? Where did you get this car? The Russian guy's like, you idiot. And even punches his own son in the gut because his son did not realise he killed the dog of John Wick. Does that mean anything to you, Phil? I mean, I've seen this film, so I know exactly what it means. Everyone seems to know John Wick's name in this movie, and he's essentially a retired hitman, but a very special hitman. It's never explained why he's special, other than the fact that he's really amazing at his job. He's almost legendary. He's like the... Don't they refer to him as, like, the boogeyman? That's right. They have a Russian thing saying, uh, Babagar, I think is what they say, which means the boogeyman in Russian, and everyone's terrified of him. And with good reason, as it turns out, because minutes after discovering the death of his dog, after burying the dog by a tree, very moving little ceremony, he goes out on a killing rampage that lasts the entire runtime of the film Uh, it's basically a big revenge movie isn't it yeah and you know from that point on i guess you know exactly what you're in for there's a lot to like if you're if you're interested in watching a film in which a guy makes a couple of fairly quirky witty comments but generally just shoots a lot of people a lot of evil russian gangsters then this is the film for you i am dazzled by the cast which boasts willem dafoe uh, as well as keanu reeves john leguizamo uh, ian mcshane it's full of big name actors And they all seem pretty happy (laughs) to be in this kind of weirdly high production value shoot 'em up, basically. This was a bit of a hidden gem, it seems, in 2014. I think people kind of thought, oh, Keanu Reeves done a new film. It seems quite quite a basic plot. But actually, it became a bit of a surprise hit, really. It's funny because you remember John Carter got criticised for not explaining what it was with its name. I just think it's funny. This is John Wick. John Carter, John Wick. But I think John Wick did the better out of the two, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I think this is another film which has done well from word of mouth. People side watching it, hearing about it, kind of badass Keanu Reeves is back sort of exactly thing. the right word for it yeah it's this is a film that is incredibly catered to its audience the filmmakers know exactly who's going to be interested in this film and they give them everything they could want for what it's worth I think it's actually quite stylishly put together it had some surprising class uh, that I just wasn't expecting at all I think some elements of the script are quite well handled. I think the Russian uh, crime lord guy, played by Michael Nyquist, or Nyquist, uh, is actually pretty good. He lends some weight to it. I sort of believe him, even though it's a ludicrous role for him to be playing. He's quite a good arch-villain for John Wick. I think Keanu Reeves does a fairly good job and manages to seem like a sort of lovable guy and at the same time the most horrifically lethal killer the world's ever seen. He sort of managed to transcend his sort of reputation in the sense that he's kind of 
kind of become a bit of a legend because he's constantly criticised for being a, a poor actor or a bit wooden. Yeah. And yet somehow he's managed to change that into sort of almost something positive in his CV. It's something which he's become known for. He's very likeable, I think, is the major thing with Keanu Reeves because even when he's doing a bad job, you can tell he's working very, very hard. And I think you can see it in his performance. He's committed... In his private life, he doesn't seem to be a bad guy. I think he just works as a box office draw. I mean, he's, he's full of memes these days, isn't he? Yeah, very that much doesn't so. hurt, That doesn't hurt his box office draw. I mean, it sounds silly to say it, but it doesn't. And, and certainly his, his uh, back catalogue, I mean, having Neo in The Matrix, possibly one of the biggest action movies ever, is a big one. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you say that because the two guys, um, I suppose we have really to thank for this, directors Chad Stahelski and David Leach. Those guys were stunt uh, coordinators and second unit directors in the matrix so you know there's a nice little bit of relationship there and that actually makes you feel quite fondly towards the film it's kind of like a fun friendly project it doesn't have high ambitions but what it aims to do it sets out and achieves so lots of fun things i mean one of my highlights in the film was that ridiculous hotel which appears to be a hotel for hitmen yeah i quite like the fact that they kind of built out the world it's such a simple idea yeah a guy just trying to get revenge because of some gangsters didn't know who they're messing with and then it kind of expands it into this sort of secret world, yeah. which is kind of silly, but kind of fun. Absolutely. And Ian McShane is the prior, uh, proprietor there. And, you know, no business is to be conducted on hotel grounds. So hitmen and crime people can meet together without fear of a hit taking place. And if you want to sort of imagine that there is this kind of slick, cool, beautifully shot side to big metropolises, this is kind of, it's kind of a fun film to be involved in. The downsides for me are in the action actually, which is a shame, given that the entire film is action. That's quite surprising, because I think that's what a lot of people really loved about the film. Well, the thing is, what it does is it's unremitting in what it sets out to do, which is lots of bloody shots to the head, the face, whatever. So if you like a blood splatter and someone shooting very efficiently, then, yeah, maybe you'll like this. But for me, I think that benefits a video game than a film, because actually the first time you see John Wick get his gun out and start shooting, that sets the tone for the entire rest of the film and the entire rest of the action. You know, give or take a few moments when John Wick seems to be at a low point and that kind of thing. Basically, there's, there's, the pace is always the same. There's no highlights to any of the action. There's no particularly memorable moments. It's all just shooting really quickly. It's all at nine and it exactly. doesn't have anywhere to go. And so for that reason, it, it's, it risked being a little bit boring. You think about The Matrix, that has got some of the most creative gunfights and fistfights I've ever seen. There's always some kind of new key element that appears some new really cool shot that makes you think whoa that's that's awesome this one just weirdly enough especially given the guys who are behind it it all felt a little bit flat to me but it was all okay am i selling it to you phil i mean i've seen it so you don't need to sell it to me <laughs> I, it's interesting and i wanted to do it because you know the sequel is not that far off coming out and it obviously has performed well enough at the cinema and uh, and since it's got a bit of a cult following that they think a sequel is going to go down well and to be honest phil Having seen it, I've got no doubt the sequel will do well. I think it'll bring in the money. Hopefully, I mean, I get the sense that this was made partly as a favour. Keanu Reeves sort of, thought, sort of said, I work with these guys, I like these guys, I want to make this film. And he might have basically made it happen. And if it's been a success, it might mean that there's more budget, more more room to do sort of creative do something a bit more creative with the fights and action sequences. So Let's see what they do. Who knows? Who knows? So for me, it gets a B. I think it for what it is, it's pretty good. I think it's I think it's better than a B. Do you think so? Mm. <laughs> well, you're not reviewing it. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm staying. I'm staying silent. Hey, a B is a good grade. I enjoyed it, but it, you know, it's not going to win any awards. I wouldn't say. All right, that's me out, Phil. What's your next? Les Miserables. I'm cold. Would you let me stay here for tonight? 
I know who you are. You're Jean Valjean. Right, my girl, on your way. I had a dream my life would be. Help me, please, I have a child. So different from this, how I'm living. Where is your child? No life has killed the dream. One day more. Set. Another day, another destiny. Mademoiselle. It's never-ending road to Calvary. Where's the child, Cosette? Tomorrow you'll be worlds away. Who was that girl? Cosette. And yet with you my world has started. But he never saw me there. One day more to revolution. Nip it in the bud. We'll be ready for these schoolboys. They will make themselves the ones. There you go. I think that trailer is an interesting thing because did you? You probably knew it was every single word of this film is sung before you well, went to see it, didn't you? To be you? fair, not every single word. Pretty is sung. much every single word. But I knew it was the musical. Yes. Yeah. So I knew it was musical. I knew knew the songs. I'd never seen the stage play. The one of the longest running stage plays ever in the West End. But I didn't realise that the the pretty much 99% of every single piece of dialogue is sung in some sort of way it's sort of musically uh, delivered and i think a lot of people got tricked with this movie from a couple of years ago i think it's 2012 got tricked by this film and kind of was like what's this what do you think I they thought there for? might just be a few songs here and there but mainly it's talking yeah they thought it was a, like a kind of a like a bit more like chicago where it's a yeah. it's a it's a story first and then the music is used to spice it up a bit but no this is a bona fide musical every single bit of it is musically yeah, altered yeah, yeah. and affected it stars Hugh Jackman as Jean Valjean. He is a prisoner, basically, and eventually he gets his uh, his freedom. But this the guy who who's a prison officer, Javert, has always got had his eye on him, and he thought, "You're you're a criminal. You'll always be a criminal. Even though I'm letting you go today, one day or another, you're going to be back in these chains." This leads him through a winding road over many many years with many many different characters. And Jean Valjean, is he a reformed character or is he always, always going to be the criminal that Javert says he is? Very movingly put, Phil. Yeah, classic sort of chase thing. He always feels there's someone behind him, but he collects kind of waifs and strays and tries to do good, doesn't he? Yeah, he seems to be changed by this priest's kindness to him, this grace that this priest gives him. Now, the thing is, this is a real epic. The original story, was it Victor Hugo or André Dugma? 
Victor Hugo, Victor Hugo, Hugo, Hugo. And, and it's funny now when you hear the word epic today, I think you think of sci-fi or you think of like fantasy, Lord of the Rings style. That's the only film that really deserves epic, even superheroes maybe. But actually, original epics were like this, man. There are periods, and this is about the French Revolution. Yeah, and it's all set on that backdrop of of change in France and social injustice and and misery. That's why it's called The Miserables because it is yeah. about really harsh situations for all these characters. The real question with this is whether or not the musical elements of this musical stage show could be translated into a film. Could it be put on screen and have that impact, that power, that thing that resonates with audiences over the years? That's right, because, I mean, there's not that many actual Broadway musicals literally transplanted onto film. As you said, Chicago kind of mixes it a little bit, doesn't it? So it has dramatic scenes as well as musical ones. I mean, I insisted with Laurie, I said, I, I want to do these two as a pairing. That's why I've chosen two musicals because I think they really help contrast each other because Chicago probably is the last massively successful film critically acclaimed since Les Miserables. Like there wasn't really one, a big one in between these two films. And what's really surprising is that Chicago seems to have said, okay, we're doing a film, we're not doing a stage show, we're doing a film. And they seem to have embraced that very much and and tried to uh, utilise the fact that they're doing the film rather than the stage show. And they, they use filmic techniques to achieve their goal, as I've already discussed. Les Miserables tries to do the same thing. And, the, and Thomas Hooper, the guy who's directed, I think his name's Tom Hooper, he was the guy behind the King's Speech, incidentally. He was like, I'm going to do something different with this. I'm going to use the fact that it's a film to achieve something different. One such thing being this filming technique of having the, the actors actually sing on camera. Normally it's a pre-recorded track and then they, they mime and They're do a lip sync. Yep. They instead had a feed to a guy playing piano and it meant that rather than having to fit in with the music, the actors led the music. So the actors' performance and their acting choices, singing and all that sort of stuff, changes how the music comes across. It changes the tempo and the, the rhythm of it. It's led by the actor's performance. So the actors were loving this technique. They said how brilliant it was. You've got Hugh Jackman, who was uh, obviously started life out as... Uh, as a singing all dancing Boy, man, man, Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma, that musical. And then you've got Russell Crowe, who is a bit of a singer himself, who's in a band. Yeah, you've got Anne Hathaway, as um, who has historic connections with Les Miserables as well, because of her mother playing the same role on the stage. And she's singing, she's doing all of that. You've got Amanda Seyfried, you've got Eddie Redmayne warbling away. Yes, that was one of the first uh, things I saw him in, actually. So these actors are really singing and they're doing a fantastic job from the singing side of things. And Thomas well, a Hooper, lot of people criticise Russell Crowe's singing. They do, but I'll come on to him later, okay. I think. Thomas Hooper obviously is committed to this idea and says that this is what this film can do uniquely. It is bring some of the, the more lively aspects of the theatre production into a filmic world. Rather than having to have a, a pre-recorded track, they can perform these songs live and there. Unfortunately, though, this, I think, undermines the film profoundly and actually means that the film is really, really poorly filmed and actually so much of the energy just evaporates from the film. It's unbelievable because you think this is one of the, the most beloved musicals ever historically and, and significantly has been on the stage and yet here's the film product and it just feels boring do you think so i think it is boring and that is entirely down to the direction and ultimately this technique because the the actors are are singing they're so concerned so preoccupied with their vocal performance there's nothing to watch you're just watching people stand around and sing mm, yeah like even the x factor has a little bit of a dance routine and things like that and if you look at the numbers in the in this film there is so little staging to it there's so little staging to it 
Compare that to Chicago, which is all about the staging. It makes it such a big theatrical show and makes it really exciting and really creative. And, and each of the songs has a different vibe and, and look and, and style. Les Miserables has none of that. All that the director can do is put the camera in front of their face and puts it far too close to their face. And then you just watch them sort of warble away, desperately trying to make sure they hit their notes. They've got to emote at the same time on that face. Can't exactly. Focus on the note. So yeah. they're acting and they're so concerned with their acting that actually it becomes just really dull. It becomes a really dull way to engage with a song. I think you are in the minority with that opinion, Phil, is the impression I get. I think a lot of people are blown away by it. I think one song where it really does work is Anne Hathaway's song. Oh, and yes. that's the song which really... Uh, sold the film I think incidentally also it's the same song that Susan Boyle sung and I'm pretty certain <laughs> that unless Susan Boyle had uh, if Susan Boyle hadn't done her famous I Dream the Dream performance on Britain's Got Talent I don't think this film would have got made was she Britain's Got Talent not X Factor yeah Britain's Got Talent How yeah and so her performance has led to I think Les Miserables having a resurgence and uh, and this film being made and her in that particular song it really does work because it's entirely about the emotion of that character but the big raucous numbers, where's, where's the staging? Where's the dancing? Where's the performance? Where's the engagement? Where's the cuts? I know what you're saying on that one, Phil. Yeah, there was a lot of mm, a surprising sort of shaky cam, long cuts. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. But you can't deny it. I mean, there's a battle in the streets with a barricade. Yeah, and I don't think it's even that particularly well shot or engaging. No. It doesn't have the impact. Apparently, these barricades that these, these revolutionaries did in France would literally fill the streets. They would completely block them off and they were a, a dangerous, violent place. And none of that is really communicated. I think you're, what you're, yeah, I mean, basically, this just proves that what they've done is lifted the stage musical directly onto it because then you have a static set, basically. You don't move around a lot. And when it's a Broadway show, you see the whole stage all the time. You don't zoom in on one tiny part of it. But that's what Tom Hooper specifically said he wanted to do. He said, normally on a stage show, you don't get to go right up close and mm. see their face. So I'm going to put the camera right up in their face. Well, but the way it's shot is so bizarre. It's got that sort of telescopic effect where the face feels huge and the background sort of bending round them, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do know exactly what you mean. And I, it just I wasn't seems massive, unnecessary. I wasn't a massive fan of this movie. I love the songs, and I think the musical, there's a reason why it's still in the West End. It's incredibly powerful. Uh, but I found the film just slightly odd, I think, yeah. Mm, and I, I'm, I'm going to put my uh, money where my mouth is and say that's entirely the direction. I think okay. this film would have... The cast is good. I know people make fun of Russell Crowe and say he can't really sing. I, I think, think if he right. wasn't worrying about his vocals while he was performing, he would have been a great Javert. I think he's got presence. He's got that right sort of character, steel, steeliness. But he's so busy trying to make sure he hits his notes that he can't really act. So he feels very dull and a bit flat. Fair enough. Well, Phil, you won't be pleased then to hear that Tom Hooper is in line to direct Cats, which has been announced. I mean, if he, if he does something a bit different, actually directs it, rather than just having it just put in front of a camera. Well, I suspect they've given it to him because they think he did a good job with Les Mis, so I wouldn't I, be I think, I think people same. will say it's boring and dull, but because these... It's, it's not hard to sell Les Miserables as a film because it's historic, you know? It's already proven it's, it's, got, it's got its audience. Yeah, fair play. It's not having to hook people in. Cats won't have to hook people in. People go because of the music. Yeah, true story. So I think no credit goes to him whatsoever. I think he. <laughs> You're I think being he, very. You know. I am. I'm committing to this because I think I was watching it again recently over the Christmas break. I think his direction made that film worse rather than better. And I just think, what are you doing? You're paid all this money to to add something to this, and instead you seem to take away from the production. Well, what can I say, Tom? I hope you aren't listening. <laughs> What's your grade? He's Tom? a good director. He directed King's Speech, which I love. Yeah. 
Uh, the grade for me is a B minus. I think it's it's unfortunately a bit of a failure, and actually, actually, the music is the only thing that holds it up. Fair enough. Can I put in a, a plea for listeners? I mean, if that's, I imagine a lot of people have seen this film. Love to know what your thoughts are. Superbellybros at gmail dot com at Superbellybros on Twitter. I always remember. Um, the film starring Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Rush, there was a dramatic adaptation of Les Mis. No music. Yeah, exactly. I remember watching that and being absolutely blown away by it. It was my first introduction to the story and I could not believe what I was seeing. I thought Liam Neeson was terrific. I don't think it's actually that beloved, surprisingly. A lot of people have criticised it, but you know what? I really liked it. So have a look at that. I remember hearing uh, our parents talk about the story and trying to get my head around all these characters and like mm. this epic saga and i couldn't get my head around it and you then know what? i saw the it. book is a lot grittier and wider ranging than uh, the musical or any film adaptations have ever been so if you're hankering for more lame Miz, get old hugo on the deck desk <laughs> <laughs> all right all done yes all done good job phil all right good job phil <laughs> <clears throat> leave that in uh, no. <laughs> yeah. right my last film and the last film this week jackie brown For centuries, Americans have gathered together to celebrate the holidays, reaffirm family ties, and wish goodwill to all men. But this Christmas, Santa's got a brand new bag. Now you gotta listen to this, man, because this concerns you, all right? Yeah. What do a stewardess, a gunrunner, a bail bondsman, an ex-con, a federal agent, and a beach bunny have in common? You gonna come in on this thing with me? You got to be prepared to go all the way. They're all chasing a half million in cash. Half a million dollars will always be missed. Let him get the money and then just take it from him. She's trying to play your ass against me, huh? That was fun. Yeah, I don't need the spot. There's only one question. Man, I ain't getting in this trunk. You ain't gonna be in here no more than 10 minutes. Man, I ain't riding in no trunk for no minute. Who's playing who? Let's make a deal. Yeah, so what's she gonna give us? Are you gonna offer to set him up? Yeah. I'm doing something stupid. Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Forster, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, and Robert De Niro. Is she dead? I, I, I... Yes or no, is she dead? Pretty much. Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown. AK-47, when you absolutely, positively got to kill every mother in the room, except no substitutes. Nothing gets between me and my AK. Yes, listen, it's Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown from 1997. This is after Pulp Fiction, so he was already making waves and obviously decided to make a slightly different movie with this one. As you would have told from the trailers, there's still plenty of fast-talking, quirky, slightly weird, banal dialogue. And there's also guns that turn up at some point. Samuel L. Jackson is there, of course. Bit of crime. Sorry? Bit of crime as well. Bit of crime, yeah, and some double-crossing. Now... Pam Greer is the lead in this film, nominally in some ways. She plays Jackie Brown and she is an air hostess 
who's sort of making ends meet in unusual ways, I'll put it like that. Uh, it's worth watching the film to understand more. And she's an incredibly famous actress. Did you know this? You know, she's from she's the a 70s. Big, big black exploitation sort of star. Exactly. That's exactly the word I was going to use. It's one of these words that's strange. And I the, don't really know how to use it, but I know when to use it. If that exactly, makes sense. yeah. I think Foxy Brown is the famous one that she's been in. I'm not sure. Um, and so she's really well regarded, but I think she'd been slightly, her star had dwindled a little bit. And this film brought her right back into the public eye. And she's an unusual choice for a lead role. And I, I basically think that's the best thing about the film. And she is the best thing in it. She plays a really, you know, interestingly sassy woman who knows how to play lots of people against each other and is very clever, but at the same time does have little gaps of vulnerability and sort of hopes and things as well. And Pangria manages to encapsulate this brilliantly and looks totally at home in every context she's thrown into. It doesn't matter who she's playing against, whether it's Samuel L. Jackson or whether it's Robert Forster playing this bail bondsman, Max Cherry, she, or the FBI agents, including Michael Keaton, who you were surprised. I saw your eyebrows shoot up when you had him in the list. Yeah, I did. She, she is the centre of the film and deserves to be there. But then she doesn't really turn up for about half an hour. You see the opening scene is quite fun. It's a profile camera shot of her walking through an airport lounge. And then basically she just doesn't appear again for ages because we spend all our time hanging out with Robert De Niro, who plays an ex-con, meeting up with Samuel L. Jackson, who is a sort of amateur gunrunner. So everything about Quentin Tarantino is here, basically. Weird pacing. <laughs> weird, you know, weird, weird. Odd sort of webby plots that don't make that much sense. Lots of twists and turns. But at the centre of it all... Quite interestingly fleshed out characters. Is that fair? I think that's fair. That sounds interesting. The major problem I have with it is it's a bit boring. I think the first half an hour just didn't make much sense to me. I wasn't really that bothered about hanging out with Samuel L. Jackson while he tough talks to Robert De Niro. I wish we just got onto the actual plot of the film a lot sooner. Did you not enjoy Quentin Tarantino's famously dazzling dialogue? But this is the thing. Weirdly enough, it felt clunky and I actually it just felt unedited. I wonder whether after Pulp Fiction, people just thought this stuff is gold because everyone's got Royale with cheese in their head. Mm. Where the, the, so one of the opening scenes is Samuel L. Jackson and Robert De Niro watching this TV show called Chicks with Guns or something. And there are these bikini clad women on the TV firing different guns and telling you what the guns are. But the whole way through, Samuel L. Jackson's guy is giving running commentary on what the guns are and why they're so awesome and why he smuggles them and makes loads of money out of them. Right. And is that, I mean, if you like that kind of thing, it goes on for a long time. It's just, a bit, <laughs> it's just a bit boring. And I understand that it's kind of clever. Quentin Tarantino has an eye for obscure, interesting banality. But when you already know that's what you're going to expect from a Quentin Tarantino film, in a weird way, it didn't quite work for me as it did in Pulp Fiction. I've, uh, I've not seen this film. And whenever I seem to see bits of this film, it seems to be Robert De Niro and Samuel L. Jackson sitting around chatting yeah. with Robert De Niro getting high in the corner. Like, Th- that's there is my... a lot. That is a lot of the film. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, this is going on a long time. Like, I don't really get what the story is. I've never understood the plot. No, and it is quite confusing. I think it really turns up a notch when the, F- uh, the FBI or the ATF, I can't remember what they're called, so the guys get involved. He's near Mexico on the border. Michael Keaton's good, although it's only a really small part from him. The, the main standouts are Pam Greer and, and Robert Forster, who are brilliant. Robert Forster is sort of an old school uh, movie star, quite a big deal in the 80s. And I read somewhere that this was basically a career reviver for him. No surprise, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. And there is something magnetic about his screen presence. I think a lot of that has to go to Quentin Tarantino, actually, because his character is written really well. He's quiet and reserved 
but appears to be completely at ease with everyone. A little bit like Jackie Brown, in fact, but less showy about it. And there's something that's just nice about watching him on the screen. You feel very comfortable with him. And it's very curious. You kind of think, well, which way is this guy going to go? Is he going to have a relationship with Jackie Brown? Is he going to get involved in crime? Or is he going to bring the guys down? Is he going to be able to keep his head? Or is Samuel L. Jackson's guy going to lose it and just shoot him? So, yeah, he's good in it. The heist is a little bit low-key for Quentin Tarantino. It basically involves swapping bags around in shopping malls and it's okay you just kind of have to be willing to go with it and enjoy it for the performances i think would you say if it was shorter it would be better definitely i think it needed a tighter edit and it's a shame because robert de niro in this film i think it's almost a bit of stunt casting in quite an enjoyable way because this is fresh off his major appearances and before he started doing his weird films like meet the parents and dirty grandpa you know before that phase of his when he still had a kind of a, a very serious dramatic he had a lot of clout and what quentin tarantino does with that guy is put him in a role where he hardly says anything and comes across as a complete waster with a bit of a psychotic streak it's an interesting role for robert de niro and i think if the film had been tighter the impact of his role just like the impact of chris tucker who turns up randomly and bridget fonda all of that would have been felt a lot more strongly but as it is the only two people you really care about are pam Grier and Robert Forster, I think. I do think that's something weird about Quentin Tarantino is because he's writing these films, he often seems to write with actors in mind and he's got this sort of encyclopedic knowledge of film and he's got a love of sort of old film. He's good and at he's, casting, isn't he? He's actually. very good mm. at pulling out these actors from old old films where he knows they can act and then creating a character for them to play. So being cast in a Quentin Tarantino film is like a home run, basically, because you kind of get the feeling that he knows that you're going to deliver... On the on this character he because he's designed do. it to be that way. Yeah, yeah. And and he's and he's just got a very good eye, I think, for p- pulling these actors and making them work for him. He certainly does seem to be in love with Pam Grier, basically, as I think a lot of people would be when you watch this film, because she is very sort of enigmatic and uh, mysterious and alluring, all those kind of things. And I can just imagine the young Quentin Tarantino watching these black exploitation films and thinking, oh, how awesome it would be to write one or to get the people in it to be in his film. And I kind of think that's what this is. <laughs> that's what this is for him. Uh, a, a kind of a fun passion project. So yeah, I reckon it's, uh, I think it probably gets a B plus from me. Unusually for Quentin Tarantino, very low on violence. As far as his films go, very inoffensive and just quite an enjoyable heist. It's a bit like Quentin Tarantino light. Is it kind of like a sort of a wash over you sort of film? Yeah, but you you sort of do need to pay attention or you'll miss what's happening. And to, yeah, there's a lot of jumping and twists and you never quite know what's going on. So if you're not, if, if you let it wash over you, you'll enjoy it, but you won't... You, you won't, won't really, really know why things yeah, are Yeah, you won't hook into the latter half of the story. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Interesting. Thanks, Laurie. There you go. That's what we've been watching this week. Tune in next week to hear four more films mm. that we have been watching and our thoughts on them, old classic films or little hidden gems. Exactly. One so. way or another. Yeah. If you've had any thoughts on what we've been watching and you want to disagree or agree with us, then do email in superbailybros at gmail.com or... Tweet us at Super Bailey Bros. And do listen to the Super Bailey Bros in Movie Land podcast as well if you want some more Laurie and Phil. <laughs> Nicely said, Phil. I think I got quite good. No, that was, was pretty very good. good. I was, was very professional, well. I thought. No, it was very. <laughs> Listeners, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.